from DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts, this is the Super Flex Super Show. Your main source for strategy, speculation, player values, and all things Super Flex. With innovative strategies like QBX and the Super Flex Flywheel, exercises like Tinder Flex, Super Six, You're Nuts, and next week this week, the Super Show's Super Friends never lack the content you need to help you draft and manage your roster in the fastest growing fantasy football format, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Enjoy your DLF podcast and stay sexy and super flexy. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your host, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yes, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast, episode 554. Matt, Ryan, and Dan all here for another episode of the show. And uh, we got a lot to cover this week once again. We're going to we're going to get into three more rookies in the rookie report. We got our sleeper stash of the week, as always. Uh, we teased it last week. We're getting down with ADP. But first, let's uh, talk to the guys. Matt, how's it going, bud? Doing well. Uh, it was, you know, I didn't. I don't know about you guys. I didn't watch a single snap of anything for the Pro Bowl. Um, it seemed like it, maybe the skills competition might have been fun, so maybe I'll go back and watch that. But otherwise, there was no football for me this weekend. Yeah, I was actually on vacation, so I, I missed some of it as well, most of it at, for that matter. Uh, caught some of the stuff during the week, that skill stuff. Uh, I like that accuracy challenge for the quarterbacks. That was kind of fun to watch, and Derek Carr was kind of funny at the end of that thing when he, when he <laughs> said, uh, that's why they're sending me out of here, so that whole deal. So that was kind of cool. I, I remember back in the day, did they do it the same way? Like you'd have Drew Brees out there and they'd be throwing footballs with chalk on it at moving targets and stuff? Was it, was it the same? Well, it was, it was similar. Yeah, that was that was fun. That was like a highlight yeah. of my uh, winter way back in yeah. the day when, when those guys were – and you'd see the golf cart driving down the road yep. with the, or driving through the field. Uh, very similar game for sure. Uh, McDowell, you ready for the Super Bowl? Let's forget about this Pro Bowl stuff or Pro Bowl stuff. Uh, how about the Super Bowl? You, you jacked? You ready? Yeah, I'm ready for it. Uh, I'm, I'm with you guys. Did not watch any of that Pro Bowl Pro Bowl coverage. Uh, did catch a little bit of the Senior Bowl coverage. That was much more mm-hmm. important for us Dynasty managers. I'm I'm jealous of you, Dan. You've been on vacation. I'm assuming that was your uh, your darkness retreat. <laughs> And uh, you're ready. You're ready for the light of the <laughs> dynasty off season. Yeah, yeah. Preparing for for all of that. You know, the timeline was full of some interesting names. Speaking of the the Senior Bowl, and yes, you know, yes. throughout that week, uh, I got introduced to some players that I wasn't all that aware of, and we're going to have to get to them in the rookie report as we move along here. I, I kind of wish we hadn't set some of these names ahead of time because uh, maybe we'll kick some of that off starting next week even um because there there was a a lot of good news coming down coming out of mobile for sure um Mm -hmm. as far as uh the unnamed quarterback goes uh we can move on from him i've I've heard enough about uh about that guy for a little while so hey more on him later yeah more on him later let's hit this the startup suppose we're gonna have to talk about that guy at some point down the road here there's gonna be some news that trickles in it'll probably be the startup when that news does happen but for now i'd say the biggest news that probably came out of pro bowl week and again that's said in quotations is probably the the coaching hires that happen uh around the league and, and maybe how that affects some of these uh, dynasty assets that we're so excited about, or maybe maybe going the other way now with a couple of these these hirings. Uh, the biggest one, Ryan, was probably Sean Payton. He got, I guess, traded to Denver, right? Uh, we yeah. saw a first round pick sent to to De- uh, from Denver to uh, to New Orleans, and that was a little bit of a head scratcher. You know, they've given up so many picks. Denver has over the. Over the last couple of years, or year, year and a little bit of change at least, and now to do this for a head coach, 
Um, I know Broncos fans are super excited about an offensive mind and, and one with a little bit of of a backstory, you know, some success, a Super Bowl winning coach and all that stuff. Um, but they gave up some some big assets, really, to, to go get Sean Payton and bring him in. I watched his introductory press conference, and there were some enlightening moments in that, Ryan. Yeah, it's been interesting. Uh, you know, obviously the Sean Payton era is just getting started in, in Denver, but already kind of ruffling some feathers with the, uh, the the Russell Wilson throwing coaches and his personal coaches banning them from the facilities. That's that's how he's starting out this relationship. But uh, I mean, <clears throat> when it comes down to it, we as dynasty managers have to be excited about this hire because. Uh, it's just going to be such an upgrade and Denver does have so many uh, key pieces that we care about for dynasty. You look back at, at Sean Payton's career with the, uh, with the new Orleans saints and uh, 13 times he had a quarterback one, a fantasy quarterback one that he coached. And, and this is all coming from uh, the, uh, the coaching uh, tool over at Dynasty League Football, but 13 QB1s in his career, 14 RB1s in his career, eight times he had a wide receiver one, and six times he had a tight end one, and we're talking top 12, uh, not not overall there, but uh, it's it's good news for Russell Wilson, it's good news for that entire offense, in my opinion. Yeah, all those, uh, all those big big performances and you think about all the studs that were in there that were down there down in new orleans and peyton had a lot a lot a lot to do with that you mentioned those numbers i think he was there 15 years right so we're talking about 13 qb1 finishes in 15 years 14 rb1 finishes so a year ago matt we were all talking about how denver might be just a quarterback away from becoming a contender, from unlocking all this dynasty potential, fantasy potential uh, at mile high there. And now fast forward a year and we're all saying, well, maybe they're just a head coach away. Now, maybe we can run it back. Maybe they'll fix things. Is this going to be a problem again? Are we going to be talking about this again in a year? Is is Russ cooked or is Sean Payton going to fix him? I mean, he's got nowhere to hide now, right? Like he, <laughs> like right. we we know the coach is good. Uh, we thought the quarterback was good. It's his opportunity to prove to us that he's good again. Uh, you know that Peyton is going to scheme up something great for him. Um, and like Ryan said, I think it's just good for the entire offense. These pieces that I thought we were going to get some discounts on this uh, off season, uh, those discounts have pretty much already dis- disappeared. Um, you know, towards the uh, middle of the season, I saw Judy going for second round picks quite a bit, second and a third, something like that. He's already back to the first round pick uh, price uh, in, in most leagues. Looking at the trade finder, uh, for, for sure, if you look through that, you'll see a lot of him going for lots of uh, first round picks. So he's back in that conversation. Sudden, uh, I don't know, is, is Sudden the value now? Last, that last season, we saw... Uh, you know, the narrative was kind of that Sutton is the guy with Russ. Those are the two that are clicking at camp. Those, these are the guy. Uh, and now Sutton, after his disappointing season, um, you know, maybe he's the target now. Judy had a, the, the second half of the season I thought was very good. He w- it finished uh, 12th amongst all receivers uh, in targets per route, sorry, yards per route run. Uh, so a little bit of an underrated season from Judy, especially uh, down the stretch. Um, so I don't know. What do you guys think? Is, is Sutton the buy now? I don't know if it's Sutton. I don't think buy. Sutton is that good, so I don't. <laughs> okay. I don't really want him. But he's he's certainly the one that's down in value. And, and you're right. Last uh, last off season after they brought Russ in, it was all trending up for Cortland Sutton, and and you know at best kind of flatlining for Judy. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's that's reversed now. It really does feel like that offense is all in general going to take a spike. Ryan, that maybe maybe all these guys' values are going to go up at least slightly. Um, you mentioned Judy as one of the top top gainers. Javante Williams has to has to be a top gainer in value as mm-hmm. well. And then, you know, you think about when you think about Sean Payton in New Orleans. A lot of times, you think about when you're, when you're thinking about the tight end position, you immediately immediately think of Jimmy Graham and those huge sure. years that he had there. But outside of Graham. Uh, tight, the tight end position didn't create a lot of 
a lot of tight end ones down there in New Orleans with with Sean Payton. So I wonder what Greg Dulcich managers right now should be thinking about their young tight ends who were who are really honestly already considering a tight end one. He he comes in at tight end yeah. ten in our most recent ADP. Yeah, again, I'm just looking at it as good news for all players. I mean, uh, Greg Dulcich was able to flash as a rookie in that offense with that struggling quarterback, and now you bring in Sean Payton. I don't uh, – I mean, we even heard, or at least there was some on some talk on the timeline about being Super Bowl contenders. I'm not, I'm not going that far by any means with the Denver Broncos, but I, I do expect him to make a, to make a big impact on, on that offense, and – uh, I don't. I don't look at. I don't look at it as a negative for any of those players, including Dulcich. Meanwhile, in Denver, the they lost their defensive coordinator. That defense was really uh, the only unit putting up any highlights for the Broncos in 2022. So we'll see how that translation, how that transition, excuse me, uh, kind of feathers itself out here over the coming weeks and months and. Uh, hopefully that defense for Denver Bronco fans uh, continues to be as dominant as they were last year. While we're on the topic of coaches, guys, Matt, you know, we've, we've had a close eye on the Dallas Cowboys here. And, you know, they have so many players that we as fantasy players rely on, really. And they made some changes now. They fired Kellen Moore. They kind of made him the scapegoat. They give Mike McCarthy play-calling duties once again. We've seen how that <laughs> plays out. Uh, we'll see how it goes down there in Big D. And then they hire Brian Schottenheimer as their OC, who's bounced around now. And I don't know if there's necessarily a really good feeling when it comes to Schottenheimer. And, and you know, maybe he maybe he, he built up a little bit uh, of goodwill when he was down there in Jacksonville and all the thing that, that the offense did this past year. But, man, it, you know, the, the common saying for Cowboy fans is, how about those Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? How about these Cowboys, Matt? Uh, I mean, we. I mean, I'm a little bit scarred, Dan. I'm sure you are from the Mike McCarthy years. Uh, hopefully, he isn't putting a lot of his concepts into the game plan. Is going to let Schottenheimer uh, run with his. You know, I, uh, back in the day, Mike McCarthy, even after they were out of fashion, was all about those ISO routes. Like, the, let the wide receiver out an island, let him do his own thing. Uh, and you know, I think C.D. Lamb can can win that way, but I certainly hope they're a little bit more creative and. Uh, how they deploy those weapons. Schottenheimer is not very exciting to me. I really think that that in Jacksonville, I think that was I really think that was Peterson's scheme and really his development with with Lawrence that made that offense go. So it's just it's just not exciting at all. I, I mean, Dak is Dak's getting a lot of hate uh, this off season. I don't really necessarily think it's warranted. He's he certainly dropped the ball in some big spots lately. But from a fantasy standpoint, I think he's been fine. He's going to be that mid to late quarterback one in terms of production, like he always is. Um, and we like C.D. Lamb, and we, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the running back position yet. Is Pollard going to stay? Uh, so uh, I assume not. I assume Pollard is not going to stay. Uh, but it, it's it's a it's an offense in transition, and I'm not sure that these are the two that we should be confident in to really right the ship there uh, from an offensive perspective. So it's really Dak and C.D. Lamb, and uh, not much else for me there. Yeah, I mean that's that's really all it is. And I am confident in those two players that yeah. they could overcome, you know, what we view as, as maybe a downgrade in coaching staff or, or potentially a downgrade in offensive scheme. Uh, but it, it's obviously not good news. It's not going to help their value. And, and both of those players, for different reasons, uh, have lost value over the past season. Dak obviously ended the season on a poor note, threw a ton of interceptions, led the league in interceptions. Uh, this year despite missing some games uh, and then C.D. Lamb you know we, we've talked about him a ton on here he was that wide receiver three by default because nobody we didn't know who else could challenge him and you know now C.D. Lamb is or I'm sorry uh, A.J. Brown has taken that spot and then you look at so many of those other uh, young guys Garrett Wilson and Olave and uh, I mean we could we could conceivably push down CD lamb even further in ranks and, and in ADP simply because of this uncertainty with the coaching staff. Yeah. It's not going to be significant though. Uh, no, no, that, no, that no. Fall, certainly. Um, I'm with you, Matt. And you mentioned that, that creativity that Mike McCarthy's never been known for really, especially within his pat with inside of his passing game. Um, meanwhile, 
a, a coach that I would I would consider pretty creative. Kellen Moore moves on. And it, it's kind of interesting how this all played out. Kellen Moore's name was mentioned as a head coach uh, possibility just a few weeks ago before the, the Cowboys were bounced from the playoffs. In fact, I think he got a couple of interviews. So he moves to Los Angeles where now he will coach Justin Herbert and bring that creative play calling and, and bring those quick Quick, that quick passing game and that ability to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly. I think this is an excellent marriage with the young quarterback that needs a little bit of stability, needs a true offensive mind. I've always seen Kellen Moore as a as a riser among court, uh, among coaches. Do you guys see that differently? Do you, do you do you see it as positively as I do that he landed with a young quarterback that we wanted some some creativity for? Absolutely. I mean, um, both of these teams we're talking about, the Cowboys and the Chargers, are, are teams that it, it was argued they should have both fired their head coaches. Yeah. And for the Chargers uh, to to stick, but then to bring in Kellen Moore, it, it's really kind of a win-win for them. They get this, they get this uh, offensive, uh, you know, overhaul potentially, or, or this update with Kellen Moore coming in. Uh, but they they keep the system, they keep the leadership that has been in place there. So uh, I, I think it's great for the Chargers. I compared it. I, I don't know if it was on here or maybe on another podcast, but I compared it to dropping that player from your dynasty league, and you know five minutes later you get the email that that another team <laughs> added him. Yeah. That's what happened with the Cowboys, right? They dropped Kellen Moore, and I. I I think it was literally the next day he was announced as the Chargers' new offensive coordinator. So you, you've got to be looking at that and thinking, ooh, I messed up. Maybe maybe I should have held on to that guy a little bit longer. Maybe I should have dropped someone else. That's what I always feel like when that happens, and uh, that's what happened to the Cowboys. Sleeper Stash of the Week. Yeah, it's time for the Sleeper Stash of the Week, where we take a look at a player outside our top 280 p that we think should make your way their way onto your roster. So, Ryan, you got the Sleeper Stash of the Week this week. Who is it? Oh, this one's this one's a layup. This one is an easy one. We're talking about Jordan Love today, uh, and Dan, I know you've been uh, an advocate of. Uh, being aggressive and getting Jordan Love on your roster uh, before this offseason hits. Jordan Love is currently the quarterback 29 in our one quarterback ADP, 247 overall. And uh, as we kind of hinted at earlier in the episode, there's more to come with this Aaron Rodgers situation. But uh, I, I would say him staying with the Packers feels like a long shot at this point. And, uh, and, Right now, there's a lot of offseason to go, but right now Jordan Love looks like the starting quarterback for the 2023 Green Bay Packers, and uh, you can get him at a major discount based on our rankings and ADP. Matt, anything to add to that? Jordan Love? <laughs> I mean, he might be he's, – he's, he's the favorite to be the starter there if Rodgers leaves, but I'm still not convinced he will, will be the starter. So <laughs> we'll see. I, I'm, not, I'm still not nearly as sold on Love as you. He's had, he's had uh, flashes. He's had, you know, half a game where he's looked decent. So maybe he's just continuing to develop, but uh, I'm certainly not confident in him. But that's from a, you know, a disgruntled uh, Packer fan, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Jordan Love is our stash of the week brought to you by Sleeper Fantasy, the fastest growing fantasy football platform in the world. Download their app, join a new dynasty league, or migrate yours to their platform and enjoy how easy they make it to manage all your leagues in one place. You down with ADP? Yeah, you know me. We're always down with ADP, and we talked about it last week. We had the top Dynasty ADP risers on the show last week, so we thought we'd talk about some of the fallers. And, again, we did this by percentage. We're talking about players that uh, made the made the biggest change by, by percentage rather than spots. So a player that falls from uh, 140 to 220, that's a huge fall, obviously, but that's not as impactful as somebody who falls from 10 down to 25 or 30. So um, let's start right at the top, guys. And, and uh, again, we're, we're comparing September ADP 
to now January ADP. So really the change of a player's value inside of the 2022 season. And and really it starts at the top, Matt, with our guy, the 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 cream of the crop at running back for, for a couple years now, Jonathan Taylor. In September, he was seen as the nearly unanimous number one overall pick in Dynasty. He's fallen only four spots to number five overall in January, but that represents an 80% change. That's a that's a pretty massive change overall. And when you think about Jonathan Taylor, it's not just him, not just the injury, not just what he put on film this year, but really the Colts, that leadership, the quarterback position, that entire offense in general that makes dynasty managers think twice before taking Taylor that high. Yeah, it's just that, you know, none of these running backs that are going in the first round, are they, they all have their warts. There's no perfect running back right now, and, and Taylor falls into that. He's still, you know, the, the probably the best combination of, of of youth and production that we currently have, but we have a bunch of exciting new backs coming into the league. He's not going to be, as we talked about several times, he's not going to be the dynasty running back one uh anymore uh and in the first round pick when you're spending that when you're spending that much capital in a startup you i i, I just think it's, it's going to become or if it maybe it already is the prevailing thought take the wide receiver in the first round there will be plenty of good running backs for you to grab in the second and third without blowing that uh humongous draft capital in the first so uh, i think it's warranted i think it's probably overdue to be honest with you um He's still very good. He's just not somebody I want to spend my first-round draft pick on. And of the top 10 uh, Dynasty ADP fallers, um, Ryan, six of them were actually running backs. It starts at the top with Taylor, but a few spots down there, DeAndre Swift fell from 6 to 26 after another injury-riddled season. Javante Williams from 11 to 43. That represents a 74% decrease in value. Uh, Williams had his injuries, of course, as well. And then Najee Harris from 7 to 21. Dalvin Cook from 22 overall down to 50. And Elvin Kamara. These are all the names that you would expect to be fallers in the Dynasty community right now. Whether it be by injury like we had with Taylor and DeAndre Swift, Javante Williams, or just performance in general. Swift was certainly qualifies for that. Kamara had a down season. Delvin Cook's a year older as well. Najee Harris was was up and down but mostly down these running backs are losing a lot of value once again and and it's just not a surprise it's not and and obviously it's the inverse of what we talked about last week we highlighted those risers and uh, i believe what was it eight of the ten risers were uh, were wide receivers and and now we see those followers being running backs and it's it's a repeat of basically what we see every offseason. I think it's a little more uh, extreme this year, both uh, on both ends, wide receivers gaining value, running backs losing value. The other notable thing here is is not just that running backs are losing value, but those first rounders are falling. We talked about Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I would argue, I think that's kind of what Matt was saying. I wouldn't even take Jonathan Taylor in the first round right now. His ADP is still five. That's, that's too high in my personal opinion. Uh, but, uh, Swift was a first rounder six to 26. Javante Williams was the first rounder. Najee Harris was the first rounder. So we're talking about those, not just running backs, losing value, but players that we looked at, uh, uh just six or seven months ago as cornerstone players are now not even not even close to being first rounders anymore. And then that translates over to the wide receiver position. We 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 saw those young receivers as the top gainers, right? Then you then you look at the top fallers and we we have a few receivers in this list, mm-hmm. but they're the aging guys, the guys who dealt with setbacks really this past season. The biggest one, Matt, is Cooper Cup. He fell nearly 80% from 10 down to 49. Now, personally, I expect him to regain some of that value throughout this offseason. There'll be a blurb here, a video on Twitter there that that really show that Cup's going to be back and he'll be one of those top receivers once again in 2023. But the injury was significant. It cost him a significant part of his season. Is is this fall from ten all the way down to forty nine warranted? No, this is this is terrible. This is like why <laughs> why is there a twenty seven spot gap between 
Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams, like that, like and and Cup is actually a little bit younger, I think, than than Adams. Like, if you're going to rank Adams up there, I think Cup needs to be closer to that that range as well. We have uh, Adams at wide receiver 13, Cup at wide receiver 26. Uh, this this is probably coming back up. I agree with you. Uh, probably a better price is somewhere in the middle of that range, maybe in the you know the early third round of a startup pick, as as opposed to the end of the fourth, early fifth. Um, but you know, obviously these guys are all, these, these type of wide receivers are very roster dependent, right? If you, if you take one that early, you're, you're kind of locked into a certain strategy. So I understand it from that perspective. The thing for me, I just don't understand is the gap between cup and these other aging receivers. The other two wide receivers on this list are Allen Robinson from 63 all the way down to 196. Uh, that's a big fall for him and, and certainly warranted. And then Michael Thomas from 78 down to 177. So 99 spots, that's 56% that, that drop represents there. Ryan, between Cup, Allen Robinson, Michael Thomas, they're all 29-year-old right now, 29-year-olds, and going to be playing their age 30 season for, for obviously different reasons. They've had their fall, but... If you extend this list farther, you're going to start seeing more and more 29, 30, even 31-year-old wide receivers that lost value. And clearly, we're going to move on from these guys if we can. But most likely, we've lost our window for for getting anything in return for any of these guys that are 30 and above. Well, you certainly have with with Robinson and Thomas. And um, I think a lot of people probably looked at 2022 as – uh, a last chance for both of those guys when it comes to dynasty value. Uh, I know I really, uh, you know, I was really wrong on Allen Robinson. I thought the change to uh, the move to the Rams would be a huge boost. He was one of my top buys in dynasty, one of my top targets in in redraft and best ball league. So that was just a huge miss for me and, and honestly for a lot of people. Uh, but he's had that excuse of never having a quarterback really throughout most of his career. Well, he had a good quarterback, at least early in the season. You know, you would think that was Matt Stafford uh, and still didn't get it done. So and and then with Michael Thomas, it's just the injuries and being slow to get back. I I think dynasty managers and uh, both of these guys outside of the top 175, I think dynasty managers are just kind of done with both of those guys. I agree with you all uh, both on cup. We're going to see him uh, regain some value both in ADP and in trade value. Uh, he's if this ADP is representative of his trade value, I don't really think it is. But if it is, he's the easiest buy in Dynasty right now. So we've covered Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup, the top two fallers. Uh, then we skip a name and we get DeAndre <laughs> Swift, Javante Williams, Allen Robinson, Najee Harris, Delvin Cook, Michael Thomas, and Alvin Kamara. We've covered all the running backs and all the receivers, Matt. Who's the third guy in Lost Valley? <laughs> Uh, it is uh it is mr kyle pitts and uh hey like i like i talked about i'm happy to buy at this discount um i have to imagine can, they're you, gonna f- can you buy them if you already have them in every league i can yeah I, and i i have <laughs> i uh, i've picked them up in two uh dispersals this off season for much less than it cost me in a dispersal last off season uh so sure. you know continuing to lower my 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 cost of entry so to speak with kyle pitts um, I have to think that Atlanta is going to fix the quarterback situation in some way. I believe they are have the second most cap space of, of all the teams just behind the Bears. Uh, so they've got a lot of money to play with in free agency, uh, whether they solve the quarterback position that way or trade up in the draft. I don't know, but I, I have to expect that it's going to be better uh, than what we saw last season. So I'm still I'm still in on pits. I think I think the. Uh, in the second round there, excuse me, uh, yeah, the end of the second round there I think is a, is a nice price. I'd like to get him in the third, but I don't think that's going to happen, uh, at least not this yeah, year. Yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't fallen that far, and I don't think he will. You know, I, I wonder, Ryan, is this a correction? Because he, he was pretty high. He was all the way up there at four in September, and he was typically a mid-first-round pick in all, all startups for, for mm-hmm. a long stretch there. Although right. he didn't have that banger season, that that number one overall tight end type season, it feels like he's corrected back to where I expected his ADP to be a year ago, or at least before the season started. What's your take on that? Yeah, I, I was actually surprised he was this high in ADP. Um, 
still get, you know, following the season that, that he had. I mean, you look at that ADP, he's above Chris Olave, guys. I mean, mm. would you, Matt, Awful. Matt, <laughs> Matt, would you take Pitts over Olave right now? Not in a standard, in, in a, in a elevated points. Normal per, PPR. Yeah, normal yeah. PPR, no. Probably not even 1.5, but once we get above that, I'm probably sticking with Pitts, but no. You should be taking Olave ahead of, and, and Garrett Wilson for that matter, above Kyle Pitts at this point yeah yeah wilson's ahead of him but but olave's not and Devonte smith and london and, and so many others so yeah I, I get your point that it it's corrected uh but i think we're already getting as we've talked about these veterans losing value already just in in january in this january adp we're seeing the youth uh including the youth that has has disappointed in recent uh in recent uh games or or uh, even just the, the entire season, we're seeing that youth regain the value. So Pitts at 18 is honestly just not a, a pick I'm willing to make at this point. Uh, I guess I guess Matt can have all of him. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have all of them, uh, and he's not going to give up on <laughs> I him. hope so. Clearly. I really hope so. He, he did have a couple tight end one finishes. He had a tight end six finish in week three. The tight end three overall – uh, in week eight as well, but man, there were just so many disappointments, Matt. I, I understand that we're a fan of the raw talent and um, a fan of really that offense making st- strides in the right direction, right? Um, Drake London certainly looked like that alpha receiver at times and looks like a guy that can take a little bit of attention away. I just don't know if that offense is going to highlight all of Pitts's upside soon enough before he his that value falls even further and he could potentially be on this list again next year. It's going to be a volume issue. If this offense stays the same, obviously we're going to have another disappointing season from Pitts and for London for that matter on the entire passing offense. But if Arthur Smith comes to his senses and gets himself a quarterback and realizes that the NFL is played through the passing game in this era of football, then uh, I mean, I'm still I'm still confident. I think he, I think nothing has changed from the player perspective. It's all about the offense surrounding him, and obviously we have to bake that into his dynasty value. Um, but I guess I'm just hopeful that that's that's going to change. I just don't think that that is a sustainable way to run an NFL offense. Uh, and you know, they didn't make the playoffs. They didn't win the division. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully Arthur Smith doesn't think so either. So I should have asked this last week. We, we listed 10 players here, guys. I'm wondering who on this list is the most likely to be the guy that's on the other list a year from now. The guy who has that, that big season in 2023 that suddenly they recoup most, if not all, of this value back. If there's one name that you could pinpoint, Ryan, who would that be for you? I think there's two real, um, oh, real possibilities. I got to do this like Matt does. Let's do, let's no, do one no, and leave one I, for Matt. I was gonna say I got three. Okay. So, <laughs> oh, okay, you're safe then. I'm I'm gonna leave uh, I'm gonna leave Matt's answer for Matt, and uh, I'll go with Javante Williams. Was 11 overall uh, back in September, as we already said, dropped to 43. Obviously, most of that due to. Uh, the injury he uh, he sustained, and and we led the show talking about the Broncos and the expectations we have with Sean Payton there. So we just need to get Javante Williams healthy, um, and I could see him being a big riser over the next uh, six to nine months. Absolutely, he was the name that stuck out to me the most, Matt. Who is the other one for you? Yeah, the other one for me was the other running back, the, the other young running back, DeAndre Swift. Uh, I'm doing this off the top of my head, but I believe he had something like a 28% rush share, uh, which was like 50th or something amongst NFL running back. That's not – I don't th- see that happening again. I do think Jamal Williams is coming back, but I, I can't imagine they're going to want to keep a talent like Swift uh, – you know, limited to that, that those few touches, uh, maybe it was just a nagging health concern. Even after he was, you know, technically back, we played this game with, you know, back and forth, he's fully healthy, but he's still not playing, you know, like, and I just, I find it hard to, I guess I just find it hard to believe that they're going to keep that kind of talent on the bench again next season, unless it, he just can't stay healthy. That's the only scenario. So I don't know if he's going to get all the way back to six overall, but I think he gets back inside the, you know, the top 15 picks or so of our uh, of our ADP. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, most of the dynasty community it feels burnt with sure. DeAndre Swift. Mm-hmm. We we feel like we've we've bought in multiple times now already and he continues to 
really stay on the bench. And when, when he's gotten on the field, he's returned. He's burnt us so many times, whether it be because of the coaching staff and their decision-making or his play in general. Uh, I, I just don't know if the dynasty community will jump all in again on Swift, even if he does have that big start to the 2023 season. It's time for the Rookie Report. Yeah, this is quickly becoming my favorite part of the show. We get to talk about some of the upcoming rookies. And we always try to highlight a big name, a guy that we're thinking about as a second-round target, and then a late-round flyer each week on the show. And we're going to start with that big name this week. It's Michael Mayer, the tight end from Notre Dame. And he is a fun player to watch, certainly a guy that uh, in the dynasty community, I would say, guys, he's th- there are people on each end of the spectrum when it comes to Mayer. He seems to land, Ryan, in the in the middle of the first round in a lot of rankings and single quarterback. And, and there are some dynasty managers right now that say, let's let's slow our roll here. We've done this dance with tight ends many times in the past, especially these inline guys that are quality blockers as well as pass catchers, they if they, if they do uh, turn into dynasty darlings, it takes multiple years. So why are we doing it again now with Michael Mayer? Yeah, I think a lot of what we're seeing recently, and I mean really recently over the past uh, the past month or so, is kind of a frustration with this 2023 rookie class. Uh, we've we've built this class up for really years that it was going to be a game changer and do anything to get 2023 rookie picks. And, and now we're, we're looking at these running backs outside of Bijan Robinson and, and maybe Jameer Gibbs We're we're seeing mock drafts with these guys falling to, uh, to, to day two or even day three, potentially um, people are poking holes in, in the quarterbacks that, you know, Bryce Young's too little or, or uh, Stroud, uh, CJ Stroud doesn't have the, um, the consistency that we would want. It just feels like it feels like we're already into the part of the offseason where we're tearing down every single one of these prospects. And it's really uh, it's hurting the value of the whole class. Uh, I think Michael Mayer is probably along with obviously Bijan is probably the exception to that because Mayer is one of the safest prospects in this class from a fantasy standpoint, from a from an NFL standpoint, he's most likely going to be a mid to late first round pick and and kind of that rock solid guy which is really what his whole game has been so yeah you look at some early adp you look at early rankings that that we have and that others have and he looks like he might be a mid first round pick i i would guess by the time we get to may and june and july that that shakes out where he's a late first maybe even falling into the second round when some of these other guys get built back up Mm, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that for sure because I really do feel that you hit the nail on the head with with him being that safe prospect and and while he while he may not be that flashy receiver that guy that is going to get all the way down the field I think there are dynasty managers Matt that are are holding that against him that he is that possession receiver he's not the he's not Kyle Pitts. He's not going to burn a safety down the seam for a 70-yard touchdown. Although Pitts hasn't done enough of that either. Uh, <laughs> instead, Ooh. he's the that consistent threat in the middle of the field that's going to yeah. going to you know be a PPR guy and a, a guy that we can count on for for catches every single week. If there's something about his game that that gets you excited and and you think is going to transfer to the next level and make him uh, an early productive player what's that yeah i'll I'll just stick with the positives for now because i have some negatives for sure yeah let's do that Uh, first but yeah Yeah. uh, um i I think it's his hands are just really good making contested catch catches and traffic like you said over the middle of the field he's gonna be uh an absolute monster and to come uh, what comes along with that for him is his ability to make adjustments to those really poorly thrown balls we saw him make one-handed catches multiple times uh, during the few games that I've watched. Uh, so that seems like a high percentage thing that he, he's going to be able to translate to the NFL. Uh, if he lands with a team with a bad quarterback, it might not necessarily be a bad thing. In fact, it might be a good thing because he's going to be that kind of security blanket. Uh, and then just his versatility. I mean, he's the he's that traditional kind of inline blocker, but he's got the, re- 
receiving skills uh, on top of it. I'm not sure. I I, I, I don't think like, it doesn't. Haven't we been calling him Baby Gronk? People have called him gay Baby Gronk. I just don't. I just don't necessarily yeah, see that, that. That's not fair. Yeah, like that's not fair to him, and it's not true either. He's not that like Gronk had just had this way about him where he would attack. Uh, 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 pass rushers, and uh, that's that's not necessarily Mayer's game. He's good at blocking. He can block. He is very good off of the line, both as a blocker and a receiver. Um, so he's going to be that two way tight end, uh, and he's going to be like you said, he's going to be solid. That's that's what I'll say. But he's in line, yeah, and and he's not baby Gronk. He's like baby Jason Witten or something like that. Yeah, he, you yeah. know, Witten was a quality blocker and a very good pass catching possession receiver right. and and i think there are people out there that probably think mayor has just enough juice to press the seam and, and put pressure on safeties and those kind of things i don't think the nfl an nfl team is going to ask him to be that guy they're going to ask him to sit between zones they're going to ask him to use his sharp first step to create enough separation to make a con- contested catch and catch the first down on third and six and that's that can be very useful to dynasty players um, and I, I don't want to paint the picture of a guy that that's just a catch and fall down tight end. Cause he's not, he's a little bit more than that. He's certainly a guy that can get some after the catch, but he creates a little bit of space. He makes contested catches and he makes impressive catch. You mentioned the one handed catches. Um, I caught a highlight reel of some college, some college practice stuff and went back and looked at some of his high school highlights. And he's been doing this for a long time, making these kind yeah. of catches. So, um, certainly a guy that in in tight end premium leagues we should be pretty excited about and a guy that in PPR leagues especially we should think he is a consistent player that I think has maybe not truly elite tight end one upside he might not ever be the the next Mark Andrews or Jason Kelsey the or, or you know he's not gonna or excuse me Travis Kelsey uh, got those guys on my brain since they're playing each other in the Super Bowl. But uh, he may not be that elite number one tight end, but he's going to be that Jason Witten type guy or, or Zach Ertz type guy that is always seems to be the tight end three or tight end four. And that is very valuable, especially if his ADP falls into the end of the first round or even into the second round in rookie drafts. So, you know, I, I know there are some detractors out there, Matt. It sounds like maybe you have some some negatives to talk about or, or, or something that's holding you back from investing in him highly in rookie drafts. What are those for you? Yeah, it's just for me, it's a, for, for, if I'm going to take a tight end in the first round, he needs to be an athletic tight end. But we, we it, tight end position is extremely hard to scout and uh, in, in terms of how their skills are going to translate to the NFL. But the most uh, the, the most predictive thing we have is athleticism. And I'm just not sure that it's going to be there for mayor. I mean, if he tests out of the out of the building, then uh, awesome. He's he's probably going to be back in the first round conversation for me in rookie drafts. But right now, it's, it's difficult to see him separating uh, based on his athleticism. He certainly does it with his physicality, especially off the line. Um, but he's just he's not going to se- he's not going to separate that way. He's not going to be uh, well, whatever you want to say for Kyle Pitts, he hasn't produced, but he is going to separate downfield with his speed. He's going to run away. He's going to hit those home run plays, and I just don't think that's going to be Mayer. Now, for like like I said, for a tight end premium kind of kind of league where he, if you're catching one point seven five or two points per tight end, he could absolutely be like a high volume sixty five seventy five catch kind of guy. Um, but he's not going to offer that kind of ceiling. For me, the exciting point of, of, of Mayer joining the, 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 the dynasty tight ends or whatever, however we want to phrase it, is that we're going to add some depth to those middle uh, middle tight end ones. You know, he's going to be in that like six to nine range where uh, he's going to settle in nicely. He's going to be somebody you're going to plug into your lineup probably every single week, but you're not going to um, get those like 35 point games out, out of, out of Michael Mayer. I don't think without the, you know, maybe he has the multiple, multiple touchdown games and that kind of brings him along a little bit. But I think for the most part, we're looking at him as a mid, mid to late kind of tight end one from a dynasty standpoint. And that's just not somebody that really excites me. I want a difference maker and I'm not sure Mayer is going to be that without a, a extremely high volume role. Yeah, that, that role is what he will depend on a little bit, right, guys? We, we've seen all those elect, electrifying athletes come through. We've, we've seen the Pitts and the, um, the Evan Ingrams and even going back to, like, 
Eric Ebron was supposed to be that kind of guy, the guy that can get downfield and make big plays. Plenty of them have busted as well. So, you know, a lot of times it has been that traditional inline tight end that consistently catches six, seven, eight passes every week and, and ends a season with eight or nine touchdowns. That becomes the guy we covet at the tight end position. And I think, Ryan, maybe Mayer has the highest potential of becoming that guy of a tight end that we've seen in recent years. Yeah, I think so as well. And and kind of going back to what Matt was saying also as far as his value in the landscape of the current tight end ones. I mean, right now in our ADP, Dawson Knox is tight end 12. He's a tight end one. Uh, Dalton Schultz is tight end 11. Dulcich is 10, Ingram is 9, Waller is 8. So you could pretty easily see uh, Michael Mayer being valued ahead of all of those guys almost immediately. Now That said, we did that with Trey McBride last year, and now he's down at tight end 14. Yeah. We did that with Cole Komet two years ago. He's tight end 15. So yeah. that's just kind of the reality of how we value youth in general, uh, and it becomes even more difficult at the tight end position. I I actually kind of like the upside with Mayer. Uh, I mean, nobody's going to accuse him of, of being, a, you know, a speed freak or anything like that. But PFF had a good uh, a good note in one of their write ups about him that he led the uh, the draft class uh, tight ends, obviously, with 20 catches of 10 yards plus down the field. So um, whether that's it, it's not all on speed, it's separation, it's route running that he was able to. Um, to accomplish that. So uh, like, like you said earlier, Dan, he's not a catch and fall down guy, no. kind of guy. No. And you know, Notre Dame is known for producing these tight ends, right? Yep. We, we've seen a handful of them just in the last uh, five or six years. And he's clearly the cream of the crop of that group. He, in fact, I think he set the school record for catches by a tight end with 180 uh, and that might have, I think it's third overall uh, of any pass catcher at Notre Dame of all schools. So, um, you know, you're going to hear a lot about how he's this dominant blocker and he can be used in the run game. And like maybe he'll be used as a pass blocker as well. And that might be the case. But let's not overlook his ability to to dominate the middle of the field and potentially be a big time red zone threat with that big catch radius and those huge mitts that just bring in everything. Uh, I understand dynasty managers um, having a little trepidation when it comes to taking him in the middle of the first round or, or maybe even as low or as high as seven or eight in a draft. But if he starts getting into the nine, 10, 11 range, that looks like a big value for me. Yeah. I I wanted to go back to that uh, kind of the point Matt was making as well. And again, this is the defamation of this, of this, 2023 class that we're dealing with right now but i i had a a tweet earlier in the week that um a list of the uh, round three running backs uh, round three and later running backs that had been first rounders in dynasty adp over the past five years and uh it's an ugly list it was it was david montgomery and and a bunch of chumps um (laughs) and and that's you know that's what we're gonna have like guys that we really like guys that we have looked at as as first round locks you know maybe it's zach evans maybe it's uh charbonnet or tucker or or bigsby some of those guys maybe even all of those guys are going to be third rounders or later are you are you taking a third round running back over a first round tight end uh are you taking a third round running back over a surprise potentially surprise round one wide receiver like jalen hyatt or, or zay flowers or or you know, even Rasheed Rice, who we've talked about on here. I, it sounds crazy to, to say with this class, but we might be running out of 12 guys to take ahead of Michael Mayer, even if you don't love the profile. Certainly true. And a guy we're going to talk about again as this uh, offseason kind of plays out. I'm really looking forward to And Matt mentioned it. Let's see what he does at the combine. Let's see what he does at his pro day. Those athletic numbers, he could be a surpriser. One of those guys that's more athletic than what people are talking about for sure. Let's move on to our next name, guys. It's Illinois running back Chase Brown. And uh, as most of you guys know, I'm, I'm a Big Ten football fan. I watch a lot of Big Ten football if uh, – if, I would much rather watch Illinois play Maryland than I would watch uh, a big SEC showdown. So 
I've watched Chase Brown, it feels like, for 10 years. It really feel, I can't <laughs> believe he's not 26 years old. He's been, he's been playing uh, for the Illini forever, and he's been really productive. And, you know, honestly, guys, I've always said Chase Brown is a really good Big Ten running back. But I, I'm not sure if he's an NFL guy. I, I'm really not convinced, and I still not. Even after watching more of him over the last week or so in preparation for this podcast, I'm not sure he's the next guy that's drafted in the mid-rounds that becomes that ultra-productive running back that we all want in our dynasty league for even a handful of seasons. Matt, how about you? What's, what's your overall thoughts on Brown and his upside? He, I have not watched him for 10 years. He was a new player to me, <laughs> uh, someone who okay. does not start watching film. So my takes may be different than yours, but for me, he's just so fun. He's such a fun runner. Mm-hmm. Um, he weighed in 20 pounds heavier uh, than expected of the senior bowl. So he's got the frame at 215, 5'11", just right in my wheelhouse for um, for that kind of stuff. The production in, his, in, in this last season was just uh, just off the charts. Uh, he made the freak list uh, over, at, over at PFR. Uh, my favorite thing that he does, he has that jab step with his left leg that – I don't like it doesn't seem like it's that special and maybe that maybe it won't translate to the NFL maybe you're right there but he the way he gets those defenders off balance with that usually after he 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 puts that foot out he goes to the right but sometimes he goes left and just completely has that defender uh over their over their skis and and falling over themselves sometimes so if he gets into the right uh scheme as a one cut runner uh, with that burst that he has, I think he was a track track star too, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Um, and you can see that on tail on film that it's the explosion, that speed uh, once he does get into the opening. So um, yeah, I like him a lot. Uh, I I had a lot of fun watching Chase Brown over the last last week or so. Yeah, averaged at least five yards a carry every single year of his five year college career. Um, certainly had a huge junior season last year where he dominated the Big Ten, 328 carries, 1,600 yards, and 10 touchdowns, and, and really was that Illini offense. You talked about that cutback ability. It is, he, he seems like he's floating sometimes, yeah. you know, in, in the middle of the offense, and then he has that, that quick burst and really high-end elite potentially speed to get the edge when he needs it which is which is really fun to watch and creates a lot of those highlight film uh runs you know it really comes down ryan to what what nfl teams are going to think of him how high can he go in the draft and and what does that mean for dynasty players well, I mean, right now I feel like we maybe have him overranked, overvalued at DLF. He's our 24th ranked player right now, uh, ranked rookie uh, in RB12. Uh, but I would, I would be shocked if he makes it into day two, which means he's going to be a fourth-round running back or later. Um, so then it comes down to landing spot. Did he, did he end up with a team uh, where he could potentially see some immediate playing time? Uh, I'm kind of with on Matt's side here that I don't know. I, he was not a player I watched uh, previously, or it, at least not very much. And it felt like the beginning of what I saw was just runs up the middle. And some of those, you know, like any other running back, some he some he was able to find a hole and get away, and some he he got stuffed. And then he he would break it outside, and then he he catches this wheel route. I mean, like a twenty yard wheel route, yeah. and. I was surprised by the speed. I was surprised by the pass catching ability. Um, both of those felt like positives for me with uh, with Chase Brown. And Dan, you kind of hit on the workload. This is not a positive to me. Six hundred carries, six hundred plus carries over the past. Yeah, six seventy six total over six hundred just the past three seasons. Dan, you said you felt like you'd been watching for watching him forever. He was a sophomore three different times, three years as a sophomore, uh, a red shirt due to injury, a, uh, of course, the COVID year, and, uh, and here we go. So five years he was in college, started at Western Michigan, and still somehow is just 22 years old. I can't believe it. How is that guy 22 years old? He feels like he should be the oldest prospect in the draft, but he's not. And he does do those things well. And he, and he does bounce to the perimeter and create those highlight reel plays that we all get excited about. But if you watch the entire game, he might have done it five or six. He, yeah, he yeah. got the one big yeah, play, but fair. he did it five or six times and got caught behind the line of script. He does not want to 
take the take the two or three yards that are in yeah. front of him at times, Matt, between the tackles. And he bounces it outside and gets caught. And that 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 gives me concern. He you know, I don't know if he has the best balance either. He it's not like he takes takes hits and you mentioned his weight he's 215 pounds and that's that's what you want to see but you like a guy to be able to break through arm tackles and make that make that uh extra lunge forward uh in the running game between the tackles and he's just not that kind of player so I do think that he's an exciting player and and I think the word fun is certainly fair because he does make those big plays I just wonder if he'll if his game will translate into anything more than a part-time player at the next level. And I certainly yeah. don't expect him to have any kind of short yardage work uh, when he gets to playing on Sundays. Yeah, that was gonna that was where I was gonna go with negatives. Like he he for his size, you would think he would be better at at that short yardage situations. I think it was against like Wisconsin that he had several attempts inside the five, didn't move the pile at all, and certainly didn't score on those. So, um, yeah, it's really weird. I mean, I don't know if that's a strength issue, which will certainly get better in the NFL once he gets into an NFL weight room. I'm not really sure. Uh, The leg drive, I guess, maybe isn't quite there uh, in those instances. So I think there is room for improvement there. But right now he uh, definitely doesn't uh, have it. And then the only only main other negative that I had was you already mentioned as well, which was – uh, you know, he bounces it to the perimeter a lot. He, he trusts his speed. Uh, and, uh, right. and, and, you and know, he's got it. We'll see what he, we'll see what he's timed at. Yeah. Well, the two fifteen you know. is the two fifteen is fake though. Right. I mean, he didn't play at two fifteen no, all year. No, no, no. And uh, I mean, I get it. I get bulking up for the senior bowl or for the combine or whatever, but I, I that doesn't make me feel better about a player. Right. Like, Either you've either you're going to lose some of the positives that you had as a smaller back, or you're going to go back to uh, you're going to lose that weight and and it's not real anyway. So, yeah, I, I I didn't like seeing that. Ryan, I know you brushed on it quickly. The pass catching it, it, that was a question at one point in his career, and it certainly looked like a strength in his final season at at Illinois. They opened him up just a little bit and gave him more opportunities to to run real routes rather than just check downs. He had a couple drops early in his career, so it was questionable. But uh, if he developed that part of his game, it's clear he's worked a lot on that. And that could be a strength of his even at the next level. We'll see if he continues to progress in that light because uh, he could be an exciting player on the edge, even as a part-time player, if, uh, if, he, if that part of his game is highlighted in the NFL. Let's go get to our last prospect. Uh, the guy that, um, I'm, I'm kind of excited to talk about me too. to be honest with you guys. It's, uh, Dontavian Wicks, uh, wide receiver here, Matt, and a guy that, um, you know, he's not really a national name. He played at Virginia and he's a guy that, uh, I, I believe was a quarterback in earlier in his career. So the wide, the wide receiver position was relatively new to him and um, he he's got some some exciting parts of his game. Also, yes, yes. Uh, I I mean, for me with Dontavian Wicks, it's all about the ball skills, except for the catch part. <laughs> the catch part, he has problems with. We'll, we'll 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 talk about that. But his ability to like adjust in the air, that body control, the catch radius, his ability to high point. Uh, the, the play strength at the point of contact, like all of that stuff is fantastic. Like it, it, it's, it's, it's a marvel to watch sometimes, honestly, with how bad some of that quarterback play was. And I, and you, I think really to get a, a very good sense of his game, you need to watch the 2021 because his production took a, a dive in 2022. And I think a lot of that was, you know, uh, quarterback. I think the quarterback was baby changed. I can't remember, but a new, new scheme, new, new coordinators, all that kind of stuff. And it's, it seems like kind of a cop out to say that that's why, why your production goes from whatever it was 1200 yards to 400 yards something like that um but you know i i think you see it with those ball skills it's just the the body catches the 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 the, the drops on easy catches that should be easy uh, that come right after a spectacular contested catch uh those things are, are maddening with him but man, the, the ball skills, the the long speed, the catch, all those all those things you want the receiver to do before the catch happens. <laughs> uh, he's fantastic at, at all of that stuff. 
Yeah. So other I, than catching the ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the hands okay. need well, some work. That, so the hands I don't think that's it. fair. I don't. I really don't think it's fair because he does make catches that that make you think. Okay, he's got it. Yeah. He's he's got it in his arsenal. He's just not consistent with it right. yet. And we've seen so many of those types of players. He's he's that vertical threat. That guy that um, has length and has the ability to get on top of defenders. You kind of breezed over it, Matt. But you said high pointing. It is. It is impressive how Absolutely. he sets, he times his steps to set up, uh, set up that that high pointing ability, that above the rim type play, and sometimes it clanks off his hands, and that's unfortunate, you know. So we we've seen these kind of players come through plenty of times. You you highlighted the the main positive when it comes to him. If there's a secondary one. It's that first step at the line of scrimmage, right? Yep. He's got the ability. He's got multiple releases. He he can he has that inside out. He has a little bit of patience to be able to time out those steps and get a defender off balance, which creates instant separation. Now, sometimes he'll run the slant and try to catch it with his chest, and it'll hit him in the face mask or something, yeah. and it'll just drive you crazy. But you do see that separation and that that ability to instantly become open. Which is exciting, especially when you consider him as not an elite type prospect, right? He's not that that guy that we expect to go on day one. He might not even be a guy, Ryan, that we expect to go on day two of the draft. So, you know, it's so cliche because he's the tall, lanky, fast receiver that I've watched for so many years. But he's kind of like MVS. He's that guy that... He's gonna drop passes when he's wide open on a crossing route. His ball and that's skills, maddening. His ball skills are so much better than MVS though. Like, like well, it's not his, the same ball. His part. high pointing ability is way better than, than MVS, but his ability to catch the pass is very similar sure, to his. I'll give you that. But all of the adjustments, uh, he, he he's I think he's a deceptive route runner too. He varies his 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 foot speed very well uh, and keeps the defenders guessing that way. He's got the long speed, like you said, he has the length. Uh, I, if he can just be more consistent with his receptions, I think he's going to make a fantastic, like, you know, I want to say wide receiver three on a team. Maybe we can get to a wide receiver two after wow. a couple of years of development. But I think he has the ability to be a three on a team right now, I think. Okay. I, I think you're a little higher on him than me, and I thought I was going to come in kind of hot on him <laughs> because I do think I think maybe that's his ultimate upside, like if everything goes perfectly for him. And maybe that's what you meant. But – I think most likely he's that guy that's going to play for a long time because of his speed and his ability, mm-hmm. his raw abilities, but maybe never become the, the a fantasy asset even. that That's at least my gut feeling at this point, Ryan. You got anything to add to that? You guys are much higher on him than, than I expected. So I, I feel like I almost need to go back and watch a little bit more or, or uh, you know, study this guy a, a little bit more because I – I didn't look at him as having that type of upside. To me, it was kind of like more athlete, he's he's more athlete than he is receiver or football player. Uh, but maybe if he, you know, if like anybody else, if he taps in into that, if if he shows that improvement, then yeah, maybe, maybe I, it's there. But um, yeah, I like him better than Rakim. Go, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, yeah, me too, for sure. Uh, yeah, that's like- that's fair. Let's let's get to that and figure out these rankings. Yeah, let's do that for sure because uh, we did we did add three new names to the these rankings, and it starts at the top with Michael Mayer. So we might have to have a conversation about this because it's pretty fair to say that in these super flex rankings, we're going to keep Bijan, we're going to keep Bryce Young, uh, and then then we start thinking about Michael Mayer with Jordan Addison and Will Levis. Where does he rank in this group for you, Matt? I, I've got him. Um... Maybe the same tier, but I initially put him right behind Rashi Rice. So, like, it, I, I'm fine putting him oh ahead boy. of him, but I he's well he's well below uh, the top three for me. I mean, I, I was not a huge fan, or am not a huge fan of Will Levis, but he's a quarterback. If we're doing super flex, so shut I up, think man. that immediately puts him <laughs> shut up. <laughs> immediately puts him <laughs> ahead of of Mayer for me in a super flex format. Um, but he's right there in that four, four, five, six range, uh, considering the guys that we have already listed. Yeah, with who we have, I would have him uh, between Levis and yeah, Rasheed Rice. That's fair. Mm. Okay, I I had him right after Levis as well, but it it's tight. I you know I I worked on my rankings over the weekend, 
And uh, and I I I went back and forth between Levis and Mayer, and I had them both in the in the mid to bottom. They were eight and nine in my overall ranking. So I have them close. I guess that puts puts him right there between Levis and Rice. Since Matt, you were willing to concede that. Let's move on to the next name that we did. It's Chase Brown, and this one will be a fun one. Where uh, who does he most compare to among the players that we've talked about, Matt? I'm going to put him right behind Abanacanda, uh, based on what we have right now. Uh, he's he's that 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 seems like the for me it feels like an easy spot to put him. I'm, I'm going to put him ahead of that secondary tight end option, uh, and well ahead of uh, Ibrahim and Jarrett. Okay, I actually have him ranked uh, a few spots above Abanacanda. Oh, okay. so which is a little bit surprising the way we've talked about both of those pro- prospects. Yeah. They're about um, the same tier for me, I think. They're they're in the same tier, I think. I think that's probably fair. Ryan, why don't you break the tie? Is he in front or behind of Abanacanda? Uh I'm I would prefer uh Abanacanda at this point. Okay. So I'll go Abanacanda right. so and then in Brown. front of Darnell Washington and yes. uh behind Abanacanda that we'll go with. Um and then the final name. We already said Wicks is in front of Jarrett uh Rakim Jarrett. Um, other names in front of him, Darnell Washington and uh, Mohamed Ibrahim. Um, where does he rank for you, Ryan? Um, just just because of that expected draft capital, I would put him after Darnell Washington. Oh. Okay, we, we yeah. think Washington goes, uh, you know, goes potentially first round. That's fair. I, I wasn't thinking about draft capital, just about thinking about how I like them as players. I was going to put them just, just behind Brown and ahead of Washington, um, but uh, Brian's certainly more in, in, in plugged in in terms of where he might go in the, in the draft, so uh, I'm fine having him after Washington. I think I have him back-to-back in my rankings in the 30s in, uh, in my dynasty rankings. So I'm, I'm a little bit lower, I think, on Washington than maybe the group is. Um, although I think he does fit in as a as a third rounder for most guys, right? Right, Ryan. I think Wicks yep. is in that tier, in that same tier. So I'd I'd take Washington over him at this point, um, but I, I wouldn't argue with anybody. So let's put him right there. Um, we're gonna have to adjust these as we go, guys, because there's news coming in on these guys. They're, these players are playing in the Senior Bowl. They're gonna be at the Combine. Uh, that might have to be a segment of our of our podcast at some point, uh, looking back at, at how, how, how we've messed up these overall rankings. But we already have 12 players in. If you haven't caught them all, go back on the app and, and check them all out. We've, uh, we've talked about 12 players. We're going to continue doing at least three every single week on every single podcast. So uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. We appreciate you all for listening. As I mentioned, uh, more to come. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We appreciate you listening. And uh, we'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.